I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday. It is Monday, August 16. We are releasing this next Monday, which will be the 23rd. It is also back to school week around here. Woohoo! Could not be more excited. Are your kids just bouncing off the walls? Uh, one of them's really excited. The other one wants to just stay home and homeschool for the rest of her life. Okay. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But I think it was helpful. We did a back to school meet and greet with their teachers last week, and that was fun. And they got ice cream and. And, you know, there's going to be changes, of course. It's different everywhere and masks, no mask, and yada, 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 yada. But what we do know is that um, they will see their friends that are in other classes. So there was, like, uh, initially some disappointment of, oh, so-and-so is not my class. Um, But where last year they had no access to the other classes, they will see them at recess and stuff this year, so... Nice little community development there. I know. Here's the funniest. So we were looking (laughs) at the class rosters for both of the second grade classes, and we noticed that there is another olive (gasps) in the other second grade class. A new one. A new one. And one of Olive's best friends is in that class. And so she is terrified that her best friend is going to become best friends with the new Olive. (laughs) And not her. (laughs) I love the minds of kids where it's like, it has nothing to do with personality. But she really is my friend because of my name. And so she might become friends with other people with my name. Exactly. I'm like, well, what if you become best friends with Olive and then you're like Olive squared? And... Oh my God, I can already see the Halloween costumes. Yeah. And she's like, no, I don't, I don't have room in my life to be friends with an Olive. Awesome. I know. I know. I was saying to one of my friend's kids that back in the olden days when I was a child, uh, you would find out who was in your class by physically going to the school and it was posted on the doors. Did you have that's that? That's what ours is. No, that's what ours is. It still is? It still is at my kid's school. We had to go. They were going to post it on the doors at 4 p.m. on Wednesday. And so we went. Why? That's archaic. Why? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> that's hilarious because I, I assumed everybody had gone digital at this point. It is Mm -hmm. 2021. Yeah, they don't know that. (laughs) My God. It's weird because I feel like I asked at the beginning when we first started going to the school and there was some um, explanation around privacy. And I'm like, well, what's private about anybody in the entire city being able to walk up to the school and see the list? Wouldn't it be more private to just email it to parents? I know. So I don't get it. But yes. That's so funny. Well, uh, my friend's child is in a program where it does get emailed out. Uh-huh. And so I was telling her about that. And um, her question back to me was, did I have to ride a horse and buggy to school to see it? So Uphill both ways in the snow. <laughs> oh, love that. 
That's hysterical. How funny. Yeah, and so for all of you out there that still have to do back-to-school shopping uh, the night before, like I do, um, (laughs) I'm right here with you. (laughs) Gabriel, who has never, ever cared about back-to-school shopping, was never a part of it, never asked about it, didn't, I mean, it was like it just magically happens because I go and do it, and this year... For two weeks, he has been hounding me about going. And I'm like, what is going on? Why is this all of a sudden on your radar? Why do you care? He's like, Brittany, they're out of everything. The kids aren't going to be able to have anything. They're The manufacturing backlog, I mean, we got to get on this. <laughs> and I kept, you know, brushing it off. And now I realize it's a, it's a reality. I'm not going to tell you what I saw at Target yesterday. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, Olive's like, can I go with you to pick out my book bag? I'm like, I don't think so, because I'm pretty sure there's going to be two options. <laughs> like, And by options, I mean like only two left. <laughs> oh, well, well, we'll figure it out. Well, good luck to you and the Wilson children this week. I'm, I'm sure all of the nonprofit Reframe community is holding you in our hearts. <laughs> thank you what a- as i'm like where are the number two pencils <laughs> why do they only have college ruled notebooks i need wide ruled <laughs> i was talking to another friend of mine last night with kids and just like hey how are you two doing i know it's a busy week and she was just saying it's like an absolute shit show and she's like oh my gosh what about you and i was like it's actually the greatest because nobody wants to have meetings because they're so stressed out about back to school. So I'm going to catch up on things this week. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of which, Gabriel also has a huge project at work tomorrow morning that he did not realize was scheduled the same day as first day of school. So I've got multiple people in the household anxious for tomorrow. So I cannot wait till Wednesday. Yes. 48 hours. You can do it. 40. I can do it. I could do it. Well, to lighten the mood, you want a little joke? Give it to me. Um, <laughs> so bad when I start laughing before it starts. You know that then it's a really bad joke. I can't wait. This is a nonprofit one. Why did the seafood restaurant stop their matching gift program? Why? They were shellfish. <laughs> Why would a seafood restaurant have a matching gift program? It is just about the pun. Are you seriously dissecting the joke right now? And this one, not the one with a horse walking into a bar. Thank you, Brittany. I love it. I love it. That's a good one. Well, speaking of shellfish, um, what are we talking about today? Uh, I'm missing that segue, but... In my head, it went to board members. <gasps> Are you calling <gasps> board members selfish? Sometimes. <gasps> Not all the time. Sometimes. Those are the, you know, the board members that we don't like to focus on. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Today, we are covering vetting. So last week, we did recruitment. You know, we talked about using matrices, defining, you know, really what kind of candidates you're looking for going out, finding those individuals. Now, 
Now's this big spot of how do you determine that they're a good fit for the organization? How do you determine that for them this it's a good fit? You know, really both sides of it. So what what's this period between identification and actually getting them on the board? Which this is the step that I have been a part of a lot of organizations that they just skip right over. Right? Yeah. The ones that are just like, oh, you want to be on our board? Great. You're on it. <laughs> awesome. Welcome. I love the ones, too, where uh, it all happens at one board meeting where, like, they introduce the candidate at the beginning and they're like, here's Sally Sue. She's interested in being on the board. Okay. All in favor? And you're like, wait, what? Oh, <laughs> my God. Yes. That has happened. And then she's expected to stay and, like, vote on shit. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sitting there like, what if she is going, what is this organization? This is not what I was thinking this was about, and I don't want to be a part of it. And then they just put her on a, on the spot and say, let's yeah. vote her in. So actually, that just reminded me. There was a board, and I was recruited very specifically because they really need to build like their board governance. Like Everybody who was involved were parents of kids in the program, not really like nonprofit board experienced. Um, and so I came in, they had me do a little intro, um, and then they they told me I was done for the night, which was great. Um, I appreciated that they didn't make me sit in the room while they voted. <clears throat> but then I come to the next board meeting and it's three and a half hours long. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck did I just get into? I clearly did not do my due diligence as a prospective board member. They're like, oh, by the way, we meet weekly and it's going to be a four hour meeting. It was awful. I had a real moment of like, am I actually committed to this or can I leave now? (laughs) So what are ways, what are other ways um, that you've seen people or organizations, I should say, vet potential board members? One is where that I've seen is where the CEO just goes out to coffee with mm-hmm. said candidate. Yes. And then it's just decided. Yep. Yep. They were nice. They gave me some platitudes. They appreciate the way I run the organization. Now you're a board member. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I do recommend that whatever process it, you choose, um, that it involves more than just one solitary person in the organization. Yes. And here's where, like, you were talking about, especially last week, like where that process really comes into play. Ideally, they are meeting with a couple of board members. Uh, could be from your nominating or governance committee, could be the board chair. Um, and then ideally the CEO, executive director, and hopefully also their fundraiser, mm. you know, development director, something like that. So this is, you know, part of those interviews are really understanding their background, their skills, how they're going to plug in, right? You're starting to think of, all right, what role would be appropriate for this person if they were to join the board? But it's also making sure that they are coming in eyes wide open. Like, how does the board chair actually like to run meetings? How do we hear from different voices? What are the expectations of fundraising? Like, let's be really clear about all of this. So it's like getting to know you, but also being really transparent about expectations on both sides. And have you been a part of those interviews before? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Can you think of any um, really solid questions that were asked? Oh, it's so funny you say that because I was, I don't know why, but this topic has like unlocked a bajillion memories all of a sudden. So often those interviews actually have no questions, right? There's nothing really structured. It's like, tell me about yourself. Why are you interested in XYZ organization? What can you bring to the board? 
And then they come back and they're like, oh, my gosh, this person's amazing. They should sit on the board. <laughs> um, but what is much more effective is to actually have some questions figured out. And this can go back to what the board's working on, what you know, whether that's a work plan, the strategic plan that they're working off of, but really tie it in. So here are three of our strategic goals going forward. These are what the board is really like committing time and energy to. What do you think of them? How would you want to be a part of this? What do you think um, the community thinks of this? I don't know, like, but just really having them engage with the content. I think we also really need to um, use these interviews to understand um, board governance knowledge and understanding um, and not to necessarily disqualify people. Like that, that's a really important thing, especially on the diversity thing. We're talking about people joining boards who have never sat on boards before. Just because they don't know Robert's rules doesn't mean they shouldn't sit on your board. Right. But that informs how you orient people. Sure. Absolutely. I think it's really important to ask, obviously, do you have any prior board experience? Mm-hmm. What What did you think? What did you like about that experience? What did you not like? Or what do you think worked within that specific yeah. board? And what um, gaps or holes did you see? And then Mm -hmm. for those who have never been on a board before, I think it's great to just get a very basic understanding of their understanding. And maybe that is none, and that's fine too. Mm -hmm. But just, so what do you think a board's role is? Or when you picture being on a board, what does that look like for you? Totally. And then you can start um, dispelling maybe some of the myths or start from the very beginning setting, you know, clear expectations uh, but then you at least know where they're coming from. Yeah. And this is where transparency is really important. You know, if you're sitting with de- sitting down with a potential board candidate, this is not the time to rosy picture it. Right. Like, let them know what's actually going on, what the board is really grappling with, so that they come in really aware. Um, I was I was working with a client recently, and they were – approaching an executive director transition their long-term ed was retiring that piece of information wasn't public yet though and they were recruiting board members and not telling them and i was like okay a board that is about to undergo an executive search is a very different board than how you currently operate absolutely if you're not telling candidates that first off it's not fair to them yeah whatsoever and you you might be looking for different types of candidates even absolutely yeah. Um, that happened to me. I actually, well, but I I don't think, I don't know how much they knew ahead of time, but I was joining a board and uh, it was my first board that I was going to be on. And um, I remember getting a phone call from the board chair maybe two or three weeks before our first meeting, our board orientation. And she said, hey, I just want to let you know, uh, we just let our CEO go. Yeah. And, you know, I had zero knowledge or understanding of the situation. And so it was all (laughs) brand new information. And she was very serious because, you know, as I know, that's a very serious thing to happen. Um, But yeah, there was definitely this immediate uh is this just gonna be a shit show like what is this gonna be (laughs) what are we gonna do yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) so oh well i chalk it up as experience 
you know, went through kind of Mm -hmm. that whole process. And you're right. The board's role shifts dramatically, you know, the, when a CEO, especially when it's kind of, uh, happens very quickly and then they're just, you know, maybe they have an interim lined up, maybe they don't, the board takes a more hands-on role that they normally don't take, um, -hmm. in operations and understanding what's happening day to day. Um, so. Well, yeah, and in understanding all of that so that they can hire the the next person properly. Like hiring of a of a chief executive takes a ton of time and energy. And so for most people joining a board, that that's going to be the time when they are spending the most ever volunteering with this organization. Um, you know, you've got interviews, you've got interview prep, you've got all of the conversations about who do we want why why do we want these skills and abilities it's it's a ton and so you got to be honest if that's happening yeah absolutely <laughs> on the backside you know i do a lot of trainings for people who are interested in joining boards especially folks who are interested in joining their first board so i have a whole series of questions that i give them to ask during that those interviews um you know some of them are the basics expectations wise how many hours a month what time are your meetings? Am I expected to sit on a committee? Um, then some really pragmatic things like, do you have directors and officers insurance? Is it up to date? Right. <laughs> uh, and I, I always tell anybody I'm training, I refuse to join a board that does not have DNO insurance. That is what protects you as board members. Um, and you you don't want that liability if the insurance isn't there. Absolutely. Um, and then things like, What's the relationship like between the board and the executive director? How does the board handle conflict historically? Um, how is the board engaging in conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion? Um, so all of those can help really set up a picture of what's it like in there? How are folks engaging? Um, you know, if a board were to be interviewing me and I ask how they handle conflict and they say, oh, we don't have conflict. That is a huge red flag. red flag. Red flag. Absolutely. And again, where hopefully with multiple people doing interviews, you know, you've got two board members together, executive director and development director, hopefully you're getting some really robust responses on these these kinds of questions. Um, what are other things that you have seen people do um, or organizations to vet potential board members? Um I could think of one of them, actually, just right as I said that. And and that is um, not having a direct line to the board. So Mm. asking candidates that you think might be interested in participating in a different committee, volunteer committee, first. Mm -hmm. I think that that is actually one of the best things we can do in vetting board members. You're going to find out how people show up. and that both means, like, do they actually attend the meetings? <laughs> but also, like, how are they interacting? What kind of questions are they asking in these meetings? And that will help then let you understand what kind of a board member they're going to be. Um, but it also really gives them an opportunity to engage with the organization in a way that most of them probably haven't. Um, you know, especially if we're looking at bringing new folks in, we really want them to feel like they understand the work that's happening, um, the people that are involved and feel like they've got a a place to belong here so that then their transition to the board is that much smoother. Absolutely. And, 
you know, that's why I like when an organization has a set uh, board recruitment time frame and process. Mm-hmm. So if you're if it's happening, let's say in February and you're in July, you can outline all the ways that this candidate can stay involved with your organization, maybe attend an event or maybe volunteer in one of your programs. I personally think that every board member should volunteer in at least one program of the organization mm-hmm. before becoming a board member. Yep. Because Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times a I have been part of an organization where the board member joins and really has no idea what the organization does. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I think you bring up such a good point there, too. So let's use that timeline. So in February, they join a committee or they start volunteering some shifts within your programs. If they don't show up, if they aren't engaged, then you have just dodged a bullet. Yeah. Like the, the number of times that people say, well, we, we're going to lose them, right? Like if we don't involve them right away, if we don't get them right on the board, we're going to lose them. I'm like, then they probably actually aren't good board members. Right. If they can't spend four months being involved in some other ways before joining the board, then it worries me that they are actually just in it to like build their resume or something else. But spending a few months being involved in other ways should feel really fulfilling. Because they care about the mission, and that's what you're there to do. Well, I always think of how silly it is when you have board meetings, and let's say they're every other month, so you only have six a year, and you plan in maybe five to ten minutes of a mission moment to talk about the Mm -hmm. programs, and you have a program staff come and talk about it, and that is all they get. That's like their only interaction with the programs and program staff directly, it seems ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But yet they are in a position to be making decisions for the organization that ultimately impacts all staff and the programming. Mm -hmm. So I just, I don't know. I feel like there needs to be more, um, more asked around getting to know what the programs are before jumping into a leadership role like a board member. Absolutely. Well, and what you said right there is the key thing. Like, we forget that boards are leadership roles. Right. Like, it's not just another volunteer gig. And so to really make sure that it's a good fit, it's okay to spend more time doing that. You know, it's not just pulling another shift in the the pantry. Like, we can find plenty of other volunteers who are going to help stock shelves. But boards, it, it is somebody – we need people there who believe in the mission, who see the vision, and who are going to make sure that the organization continues to meet them. Absolutely. And I think that that interview, even though it's just kind of a flash, um, you're also, as the organization, trying to figure out if this candidate has the capacity to take on the role. So part of that yeah. is just clearly needing, clearly outlining the role and the expectations, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then, you know, asking those questions of, are you on any other boards, you know, and tell us a little bit about yourself. And if somebody's saying, well, I'm getting ready to switch jobs next month and... um I don't, whatever the scenario might be, then, and I'm on four other boards, and yada, yada. Red flag. Yeah. (laughs) 
you know, maybe it's not the right timing. Doesn't mean that it's mm-hmm. a no forever. It's just maybe a no for right. now. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, to switch it back to on um, the candidate side, this is where they should be identifying what is and isn't flexible. So, you know, we talk about as you continue to shift your boards to more inclusive um, and diverse candidates, what can be moved around, whether it's the time of day or the board requirements. And so um, boards who are recruiting should be should be equipped to start having that conversation. Um, I mean, there's nothing worse than like having that sit down discussion with a candidate, them asking and the people interviewing being like, "Ooh, I'm going to go back to the board on those. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So this is some of that prep work before you even enter into recruitment that we recommended is really starting to see like where where can the board start to adjust or be open to adjustment based on the candidates that are coming forward. Have you ever been at an organization um, where you said no to a potential board member? Like went through the vetting process and then said, I don't think this is a good fit. Yes. Ooh, do tell. Multiple times, actually. Oh. Yeah. Um, And what does that conversation look like? um, Some can be really open and honest right like if it's something like hey you're having a massive life transition it's not a no forever but it's a no for now right and after things have settled down let us know um sometimes it's a little painful uh there was one woman in particular she um she came not so recommended oh um like i had a colleague of mine reach out and be like watch out for her um in the interview Um, It was myself who was um, chairing the nominating committee and then um, one of our officers from the board. um, She talked at us for an hour. We we didn't get to ask questions. We didn't get to tell her about our strategic initiatives and what the board was working on. She talked at us for an hour. Um, And then really the cherry on top was she um, joined our development committee and would run those meetings. Um, Even though she wasn't the chair even though she actually had no background in anything we were talking about, but she would just come in and she was such a loud presence in a negative way that the committees couldn't continue. Um, It ended up actually with staff members going to the executive director and saying, I need her off the development committee because we can't get anything done. That then, you know, we kind of stopped her process. Um, Which again, the power of having them sit on committees can't be understated. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And I've also had it where I've been the candidate and I've said no based on the interviews. You know, boards I even really wanted to sit on potentially. But once some of the answers came forward, um, there was one in particular that I that really stands out to me um, where they said they have no conflict. And I said, well, tell me about your budgeting process. Like, how does that get presented to the board? What kind of conversations happen? And they're like, oh, you know, our executive director and treasurer make it and they are so good and they really like know all the ins and outs. So when it comes to the board, we just vote and everybody says, OK, and Yikes. I was like, well, how does your budget like actually promote your strategic initiatives? Like you've got a lot of growth that you're planning based on your lead strategic plan. What kind of risks are you taking financially? And she was like, oh, yeah, we don't we don't do that. You know, this year's budget is basically the same as last year's. I was like, OK. So you're not actually trying to move forward on things at all. You're you're a rubber stamping board. Great. 
Well, that's why your training for people who are interested in joining a, a board is so so critical because so many times, I, I, I mean, you're asking all the right questions, but you're asking all the right questions because you've been in the nonprofit sector, you know, for decades and you have been on both sides of that table as both a board member or an ED or a staff member. And so you are equipped with that knowledge. And, you know, for a lot of board members, they've never seen nonprofit financials before. Right. They've never gone through a strategic planning process. So they don't know how that's supposed to tie to the budget. They don't mm-hmm. have a sense of um, what an organization should be spending on overhead versus programming and the myth that it Which is. Which is irrelevant. <laughs> the myth that it is. That was a test. Um, okay, okay. Right. And so um, I think that's great that you offer that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to go back to your earlier question, which was like, what else should be done? Mm-hmm. You know, there's usually some sort of application like form that gets filled out. Um, but I, I just want to kind of caution folks here. Um, lengthy applications usually don't do anything. They don't tell you anything new. They aren't actually shared with the board. Um, so having, you know, a simple application, why do you want to join the board? Why do you believe in the mission? And then having people attach a CV or a resume is probably going to give you what you need without it being overly burdensome to candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the next phase of all of this. So you get their application, you do some interviews. What actually goes back to the board? What do you actually share back with them? Um, because it is not one person's decision. If you are the chair of the governance or nominating committee, you don't get to decide who sits on the board. Some of this has to be relayed back. Um, and that piece often gets missed. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it where essentially the nominating committee makes their recommendations, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they do the vetting from that. They kind of um, distill it down, pick their top candidates, and then present them back to the board. But mm-hmm. rarely do I see that as a full discussion and more right. of just, this is who we choose. Okay, approve, yep. move forward. Yep. And half the time, the candidate is actually just sitting on the other side of the door. <laughs> right. Which is also dumb. Let them in. Hey, now you're a board member. Um, you can all come in except for you. I'm sorry. They, they said no to you. <laughs> That's always my question when boards do that. Like, if the board votes this down, what are you going to do? Go out to the hall and be like, you can go home now. Like, what the fuck? You, like, give roses to the ones. <laughs> you have your own that. rose ceremony. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so dumb. So, uh, in, in that context, here's what my recommendation is. Allow candidates to come shadow a board meeting. Exactly. I have an opportunity for them to introduce themselves, allow board members to ask some questions. Um, The nominating committee maybe has shared information in advance. That's kind of the ideal. If not, make sure you do it afterwards. And then have the vote at the following meeting or in a special session. That then allows the candidate to see how do things operate, what do board meetings look like, gives them a chance to back out if it's not for them. And then it gives the board an opportunity to actually have a discussion. 
what are the strengths and weaknesses of these candidates? What will they bring to our board? How will this further our goals? Because just saying Sally Sue ticks these three boxes that we developed in our matrix is not sufficient. Yes. And it goes back to what you mentioned earlier around. (laughs) So where I have seen this rushed is when two things. One, there's not a timeline that has been outlined and publicized. So people go into it aware of when the process begins and when the process ends. And two, when then the CEO or ED or someone, maybe a fellow board member is saying, but I really want Sally Sue on here. And if we do it that way, that means that she's not actually on the board as a board member for three months. And I'm afraid Mm -hmm. that we're going to lose her. And so it goes back to your point of that should be a red flag then. I mean, if she's not willing to go through the process and audit a board meeting to see if that's even something she wants to be a part of, having another board meeting where it's discussed and decided if she's on and then coming the following board meeting, um, then it's probably not meant to be. Mm-hmm. You, you just reminded me, though, of another issue. Let's say you have a candidate. Again, we're going to go with the February scenario. It's February. We're going to have them come shadow in June, vote in July, bring on in August. You start them in February. And then nobody from the board remembers to, like, reach out to them. Yes. And so it's just months yes. of silence. <laughs> yes. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, did anybody invite her to, mar- to tomorrow night's board meeting? Because that's, like, when she's supposed to meet all of us. Like, If you are part of the nominating committee, make sure you have checkpoints throughout that, like making sure, hey, did you connect in with this committee? Hey, um, here's an event we've got coming up. We'd love to have you join us, right? Like this is the integration process that needs to be happening. Um, And having all those deadlines written out in advance helps, but you still need to have the the kind of shepherd of the sheep (laughs) to get them from interest to onboarding. Yes, and that includes for those who don't make it on, right? <laughs> so this is cultivation at its finest. And it's saying, um, that's another thing, is that if you know you only have two slots for board members, make that known to people, yep. right? We're putting out mm-hmm. an ap- a call for applications. We have two slots we're filling. And then that way, as you're going through the process, let's say you have 12 applicants. That's a lot, but let's say you do. Um That's 10 other people that if you are, to use your word, shepherding them well through the process, they don't feel jilted at the end. They have a renewed interest in your organization because you've been inviting them to events or participate in this or participate in that. And you might be surprised. I mean, maybe they become a donor. Maybe they become a volunteer. You know, maybe they join one of your other committees. So that's the other thing is like, if you're going to put the work in, do it well enough so that you're maximizing touches with these 10 other candidates who, for some reason, thought it would be a good idea to be part of your board. So they clearly have an affinity to your mission and to what you're doing. So don't let them fall off mm-hmm. and like, sorry, losers, <laughs> like you, you didn't make it. Um, it's a lost opportunity. Totally. I mean, what we're describing here is a pretty robust process. So it's going to take 
time and energy and organization. So if you listeners are sitting on the nominating committee being like, holy shit, that's a ton. Remember, you can tag in other board members, Mm -hmm. right? Like this isn't just for the nominating committee. Um, We always had, you know, like a nominating committee member and another board member do the interviews. Mm -hmm. Um, We might say, hey, John, can you be the one who shepherds? Shepherd Sue Sue through this process. So then John is her point of contact throughout it, right? So like there there are ways to reduce the the time and energy burden, but it all requires a lot of organization at the top. Yeah. This is maybe a uh, too niche of an experience, but uh, since this is our podcast, I'm going to share it because you know sometimes you just got to tell your stories. Let's hear it. So this was a board that I was interested in, and um, they they asked me to join like a time-limited task force for a specific project they were working on um, that I had some specific skills that they thought I could lend to it. I think this was probably fall, and they weren't onboarding until January, February. So it was like, you know, three, four months. Like, great. Absolutely. Love to dive in and start learning about things. The problem is I was the only non-board member, and nobody had thought that through. So I had, um, I didn't have access to, like, this is a basic logistical thing. I didn't have access to a lot of the documents sure. they were talking about because yep. I didn't have access to the board drive. Um, I had no real decision making. Right. And so I would sit in these meetings and make these recommendations and they would basically be like, oh, that's nice, Nia. We're going to do our own thing anyway and you don't get a vote. <laughs> so it felt really, really demoralizing and shitty on my side. Sure. The fact that I joined their board is still a mystery to me because all the red flags were there. I should have known <laughs> that it was going to be a shit show. But anyway, I joined their board um, and left as soon as I could um, because it was just as awful as I could have anticipated. But um, this is, again, where I think organizations are just like rushing to get people involved and not really thinking it through. Like it would have been great if they had thought through how do we ensure that a non-board member can actively participate in these conversations? Right. Um, do we even want that voice in the room? Which, for them, the answer would have been no. Right. And it would have been really helpful to me. I would have gone and sat on another committee instead. Right. It's just a waste of everyone's time. Everyone's time. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. I mean, we want to hear from you. So again, we're doing our listener episode is coming up. We want your stories. Um, Again, it can be on the identification process for board members that we talked about in last week's episode or now on vetting. What are ways that you and your organization have come up with vetting potential board members? Um, What's worked? And what, you know, we always like to hear what didn't work. Let (laughs) us learn. Let us learn through your mistakes. (laughs) And next week we're going to be covering onboarding. So we basically, in the next week, we're voting on these candidates. Is that a thing? assume that happens. Is that a thing? Like, is there actually an onboarding process? Don't they just like trial by fire? Yeah. Welcome. (laughs) We're going to vote on a bunch of really important shit tonight. Good luck. (laughs) You choose our CEO. Go. So yes, make sure you stay tuned. Um, make sure you're also following us, Facebook and Instagram at Nonprofit Reframe. And all those great stories, questions, ideas, send to us at nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. And please support your local nonprofits. Give and give generously. Thanks, folks. 
We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.